Welcome to On The Way, a podcast to help you make a meaningful connection with Jesus every day in the midst of your day-to-day. On today's episode, Pastor Jaime Castanier-Weiss offers prayer ministry training so we can participate in God's good work in the world and in the lives of people we love. One of the phrases that gets thrown around or gets used when people share a concern with me or when people share a concern with you and people share a concern with each other is the phrase, I'll pray for that, particularly in Christian or spiritual circles. And it begs the question, how? How do we pray for people? Not just how do we pray for people when they ask us for things like that, but how do we pray for people in the moment? I found that recently, one of the things that's been helpful for me is that when people share something and I say that I'm going to pray for them, instead of saying that and leaving, I just say, I'll pray right now, and I pray for them. But then that begs the question, how do we do that in the moment? And in fact, for many of us, when we find ourselves in situations where the right response is to pray or the response that feels good and necessary or the response that people are asking from us is prayer. What do we do? What words do we use? How do we engage? And how do we process it? In this episode, I'd like to share with us some of the techniques that I've learned over the years. Some of this I gathered from resources from the Vineyard Church, Some of it I learned in InterVarsity, the parachurch organization I used to be a part of. Some of it I've read in books. And some of it I've picked up here and there. Specifically, this episode, I'm going to address uh, how to pray for people when they come to you with a specific need and they want prayer. Before I get into technique, I want to establish a few things that I think will be helpful for us to overcome some of the fear, anxiety, or tension that may come when people ask us to pray for them. The first is that God loves the person who needs prayer more than you do. The second is that God is already at work. The third is that God is inviting you to participate. He's not inviting you to accomplish. These things are important because I think one of the things that can instill fear, hesitation, or anxiety in us about prayer is that we're concerned that we'll say the wrong thing, that we'll pray the wrong prayer, or that nothing will happen, and then it'll be our fault that we failed, that we somehow disappointed God and let down the people who asked us to pray for them. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Now, is it true that we could stumble with our words when we pray? Absolutely. And yet, Why would us stumbling with our words prevent a God who loves the people more than we do from acting? I don't think he would. I don't think that would prevent God from acting. God knows our heart. God knows the heart of the people that we're praying for. And God wants to bring life, freedom, forgiveness, whatever the person needs to move forward. I hope that those truths can free us from any fear, anxiousness, anxiety, or hesitation, and that we might enter into the invitation that God is extending to us to be a blessing to people around us, to stand alongside people who need Him, and to come before Him who is a gracious, good, and loving God. 
praying for people isn't just the simple response. It isn't just the least we can do. Praying is actually a powerful thing because God is a powerful God. And it's a privilege, a blessing, and a joy to do it. If you've not experienced it before, I hope after this episode you'll try it. I'm sure you'll enjoy it, even if you make, quote-unquote, a few mistakes along the way. What's crucial at the start of uh, any time to pray for someone is to get a little bit of information. If you're in a setting where the people who are asking you for prayer uh, are unknown to you, a good thing to ask is their name. That's actually really important. What I found in my time is that praying for people by name and invoking blessing on them by name is a powerful thing. It also uh, adds a layer of personhood to the people you are praying for. Knowing someone's name makes them feel known, and it connects you to them. When people come to you, it's important to assess and answer the question, how can you pray for them? So ask them that. Sometimes we'll be in settings where this is prayer comes after a conversation. And so you'll know more or less what to pray for. But sometimes it comes at the beginning of a conversation. And focusing the conversation will be helpful. If people go on for 10 or 15 minutes, uh, it might be hard for you to identify what you actually need to pray for. So sometimes it's helpful if people are rambling uh, or are so overwhelmed by their need that it's hard for them to focus, to ask a clarifying question, a refocusing question. One that I've found helpful over the years is the following. If Jesus were here, and I believe he is, and he were to ask you, and then I say their name, what would you have me do for you? Or what do you need? How would you answer? Time and time again, I've found that question accomplishes a number of things. It focuses the person. It, it increases their awareness that Jesus is present. And it helps them name their need. Which will help direct you into prayer. After that, and actually during that, one of the things that we practice is dual listening. What do I mean by that? I mean that we're listening to the person share their need, and at the same time, we're listening to God. We're listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes during that time, the Holy Spirit will give you a word, an image, a sense. Sometimes what happens for me is I get a deep sense of compassion for the person, or I feel a deep sense of what they might need, not in words, but in feeling. And that helps direct my prayer. It also makes me aware and reminds me that when I go to pray, I am not the one on the front line. God is on the front line for that person. And I am joining him. I am not alone. After assessing what the person might need prayer for, at the start of prayer, I actually do something, and many people that I know do something, that seems counterintuitive. I start with silence. Part of what I do in that is I resist the urge to fix with my prayers. I resist the temptation to just blather whatever the first thing that comes to my mind is. 
I resist the urge to be a savior, to be the solution to this person's problems or needs. And what I do in that is I wait. I wait for direction from God, and I wait for a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that comes immediately. Sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes I feel it really strongly. And sometimes I just feel like a release, a sense that it's okay to start praying now. And then I pray slowly. One of the memories I have of the use of this time of silence came a few years ago when I was praying at a conference. We had a response time where students were invited to write something that they were struggling with and wanted freedom from and then come to one of the leaders and have them pray for them. And I was one of those leaders. A student came up to me and had the word alcohol on their paper. This student had been binge drinking, was hiding it from all their friends, from church and from university, was leaving a double life. And she came to me with that prayer. In the years since, she has given me permission to share this story. Uh, And uh, after explaining what she needed, I spent some time in silence. I put my hand on her shoulder with her permission. And after a long time, I felt really strongly. And in fact, it took longer because I felt this early and wanted to make sure. I felt really strongly that I shouldn't pray for her to be free from her addiction. That that was not actually the right prayer. I could sense that being free from her addiction wasn't what she actually wanted, that she wasn't ready to give it up. So instead, I prayed for God to take away her will to drink and to change her heart. It was hard to pray that. I knew it wasn't what she wanted, and yet I had a strong sense that it was what she needed. The only way I was able to do that was by practicing dual listening and starting with silence, and then remembering that she could be disappointed and angry at me, God still loved her, and God was at work in her. She was fuming when she left. She was angry. She couldn't understand how someone who didn't even know her, this is her recounting it to me, uh, how someone who didn't even know her could make that kind of assumption. But I was right. It was true that she wasn't ready to give it up. Over the next few years, God was at work in her. And the will to drink left. And when that happened, she was ready for a change. She was ready to be free from her addiction. Sometimes starting with silence leads us in a different direction. But sometimes what people say they need is not actually what they're ready for. They need something else. And the good thing is that God knows it. God knows what we need even when we don't know to ask for it. God knows what we need even when we're unwilling to admit it. And the act of coming coming for prayer is a chance, is a risk, is an opportunity for him to act. After spending time in silence, pray. Now, that might mean you pray. It might mean that they pray. 
it might mean that both of you pray. There are instances where it's actually appropriate, even if the person comes to you to pray for them, to ask for them to pray for themselves. An example of this, if a person is coming to you and is saying that they are struggling with anger, then you can ask them to confess that anger. If a person has come to you and is saying that they are having a hard time forgiving someone who wronged them, it is completely appropriate to invite them to release the person that they are struggling to forgive. You can pray that they have the strength for that, but ultimately it is completely appropriate to ask them to pray that. Sometimes you might sense that the person just simply needs to talk to Jesus. And it is completely appropriate in that moment to simply stand with them and ask them to do so. Your act is an act of presence, and that is as important as any words you might say. Oftentimes, the invitation to pray with people is not necessarily to say anything, but simply to be with them as they say something to God. There are many things that we can pray for. Sometimes we pray for physical healing. Sometimes we intercede or we stand on behalf of the person before the throne of God and ask for what they need. Sometimes we pray for change in emotion, change in the mind, change in the will, change in action. Sometimes we pray blessing. A few tips on some of these. If praying for physical healing, actually pray that people would be healed. There have been many a time where I have been in the midst of prayers for healing, and people don't actually pray that anything would be healed. Um, it is okay if someone is sick to pray that they would be healed from the cold or from the cancer or from whatever illness that they may have. Actually, if someone is sick and comes for prayer, that is what they need to hear. That is likely the prayer that they need prayed. I found that sometimes we are cautious about those prayers because we are concerned with what happens if we pray that and the person doesn't get healed. What I'd say is that in those moments, we are falling into the trap of thinking ourselves responsible for the person's healing. We are not. God is. And God knows when that person will be healed. God loves that person more than we do, and God can accomplish that healing. Now, we may have questions about, well, should we pray it if it's not God's will? What if we don't know if it's God's will? What I'd say to that is that if it's not God's will, he's not going to do it. So praying things like, God, if it is your will, it feels more like we're hedging our own bets rather than simply appealing to a God who has a will and will accomplish it uh, whether we ask him to or not. Um, after the prayer, it's important to debrief, or it might be helpful to debrief. What do I mean by debrief? Well, let's take the healing prayer, for example. Let's say a person has asked you to pray that the pain that they have in their ankle go away. It would be helpful if after you prayed, you asked them how it felt. In some circles, people use uh, a range of numbers as a way to gauge what's happened. So they'll say, where was, the pray where was the pain before we prayed on a scale of 1 to 10? And the person might say 7. And then they'll say, well, where is it now after we've prayed? And the person might say 7. Or they might say 6. 
or they might say five, or they might say zero. It's appropriate in those instances, let's say it's an ankle, to have them just test it out. Sometimes that will indicate to us that we need to pray more. We need to pray again. Sometimes then it will focus our prayers on praying for the hope of a healing that will come but hasn't come yet. Sometimes the person might have heard something from God or something else might have been on earth as you were praying for them. And asking them what happened while you prayed for them will help direct the next segment of prayer or even what they need to do as a follow-up. Sometimes it will just help to know uh, that the person experienced God. And sometimes it might help if you sense that you got a picture or a word or a direction in prayer, uh, and they say, yeah, that was not right. It will just help us know that we weren't hearing right. And a way to think about it is it will help calibrate the things that we hear or perceive from God. Some of us might fear that if we take a risk and then ask for feedback in prayer and, and are become aware that we were wrong, we may fear that that means that we're not praying right or that we're failures at prayer. Uh, but, but I'll just say that that's falling into a trap of performance. And I'll just remind us once again that God loves us, that God loves them, that God is present, that God is at work, and God is inviting us to participate, not to accomplish. And participating means sometimes we get it wrong, and there's grace in those moments. Getting it wrong doesn't mean we don't try again. Getting it wrong means we calibrate and try again. I want to provide two particular formats that I've found helpful when praying for people. One of them is an acronym, HBS, because acronyms can prove helpful for us sometimes. And that stands for HEAL, BLESS, and SEND. Oftentimes when I'm praying for people, remembering that helps me direct the prayer. So when I say HEAL, what do I mean? Well, if the person has come with a need, you pray for that need. Uh, healing, not necessarily in the traditional physical sense, but simply in the sense of removing whatever ails the person. If the person is coming because they have fear, if the person has come for prayer because they're feeling anxious, then the healing part is simply praying for that thing to be removed, for praying that they don't have anxiety, that they know God's truth, praying that they know God's love because perfect love drives out fear. The blessing part is the part where we replace whatever, we, whatever has been removed with the opposite, the good opposite. So, for example, if a person is struggling with an addiction, then we can pray against the addiction and pray that the addiction would be removed. And then in the blessed part, we can bless them with self-control. If a person is struggling with anger, or if a person is struggling with sadness or, or desolation, then we pray that that would leave, and we pray then for joy, perhaps. We bless them with joy. And then the sending part is the part where we refocus the prayer uh, now that people are going to go out. We pray for people to go out into the world or into their families to live out what has now happened to them as they've been prayed for, as God has been at work in them. So if people have been struggling with unforgiveness and we've 
prayed for them to release that and they've released it and we've blessed them with love or with compassion or with mercy, then we send them to show that to people. If people have been struggling with addiction and we've prayed against that, we've healed that, we've prayed healing for that and have blessed them with self-control, then we send them into a world that is sometimes frenetic for them to be an example of moderation and of what it means to submit one's life to the Lord of all. That's the HEAL, BLESS, SEND uh, acronym. The last one that I'd like to share with you is uh, actually an imaginative prayer exercise that I've learned just in the last few years and has been extremely helpful for me. It's been one of the best examples for me of what it means to pray trusting that God is present and God wants to meet the person looking for prayer way more than we do. And God has something much better for them than we can ask for or even imagine. During these exercises, what I've done is I've asked people to imagine themselves in a room. Actually, before I do that, I pray that the Holy Spirit would be present. Uh, And then I ask them to imagine themselves in a room, a comfortable room. And then I, I ask them to imagine that there's a door in that room. And, you know, I do this slowly and I ask people to just describe what's going on. And then I ask them to imagine that the door is about to open and Jesus is going to come in. And then as they sort of get in that position, I describe that the door is open and Jesus walks in. And I ask them to imagine what Jesus looks like. Then Jesus approaches them and I ask them to imagine how Jesus greets them and where Jesus sits and what Jesus does. I ask them, particularly in situations where people have something that they're holding on to or something that they want to let go, to imagine what that might look like. If they were to imagine that in an object, what it would be like. Then I ask them to hand that over to Jesus. And then as they're imagining that, I, I ask them, what does Jesus do with that? People often are able to describe what happens. And then in the last instance, I guide them through a part of the exercise where I either ask them to imagine Jesus giving them something or saying something to them. I don't manufacture it. I don't create what it is. And what I believe is that God in that moment says something or gives something to them. And then I bless the time. Now, part of what happens in those situations, there's two things that happens. One is they experience the overwhelming, they experience the overwhelming goodness of God. But also sometimes if there is a, 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 an opposing spiritual force that has some sort of influence in their lives, it usually comes up during this time. There was one time where I was praying for a young man and I was guiding him through this exercise. And when he described Jesus walking in the room, I sensed something negative. I sensed some tension inside of me. And after we were done praying, I debriefed and I asked him, was there anything weird about Jesus? And in the moment, he couldn't describe anything. But about 10 minutes later, he came back and he said, when Jesus walked in, he had really sharp teeth. And that was an indication that there was a negative spiritual influence in that person's life. And we we prayed for him. We were able to 
to pray for him in a way that he hadn't identified when he came up for prayer, but that came up as we invited him to encounter Jesus. Usually what I tell people is as they're imagining Jesus or as they're imagining this scene, if there's anything dark or scary or anything that produces anxiety in them, it is likely not of God. And we then invite Jesus, the real Jesus, into that picture. Part of what happens in those situations is that they get to see Jesus' authority and power over any dark force. That strengthens people's uh, resolve to believe that Jesus is good, to believe that Jesus is strong, and to believe that any darkness that might feel big to them before they started praying is actually quite small in the light of Jesus. These are just a few ways in which we can pray for other people. So the next time someone comes to you and has a need, pray for them. Pray for them knowing that God loves them. Pray for them knowing that God is at work. Pray for them knowing that you can try something. And even if it doesn't go well, God's plans aren't thwarted. That God is inviting you to participate, not to accomplish. He is doing a good work in you and in them.